Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Um, we got Stephen A. Smith coming in in a week. I believe it's in a week. It's going to be up. Uh, we're actually doing it today, and it's going to be up next week. So I just had to say that because my man Stephen is... Uh, I'm, I'm glad he's coming on. I know a lot of people want to hear it. So, and uh, don't beat me up too much because we're doing the interview with him later. And um, he's going to want to go after me a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> make sure you save, you know, keep me a little bit alive to handle my man, Stephen A. Greatest World Cup final ever. Yep. Um, that's what they're calling it. I, I tell you, it had everything. It, it had everything. It had drama. It had Hollywood script. You know, it, it, the big stage, the world watching. Just incredible. I mean, Argentina loses the first game in the World Cup, and then they're in the finals against France. They're dominating the first half, controlling the ball the whole time. 2 nothing, which which could be a death sentence in soccer. For sure. And, and, and then... Uh, what happens? France comes back and ties it up, and and then uh, it goes into overtime, and two overtimes, and who scores one of the go-ahead goals? Messi, one of the greatest players ever, 35 years old, in his final World Cup, in his last World Cup final, you have to presume. Um, again, you, 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 a Hollywood scriptwriter couldn't write this stuff. And, th and then the missed goals just I mean, the save in the overtime, one of the saves and one of the goals that almost wasn't a breakaway in this and that. I forgot it was soccer. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I forgot. I really, that's how good it was. I mean, that that's from a layman, you know, a guy who's not a, obviously a big soccer fan uh, or advocate. That's from him. That's from my perspective. That I, it was as exciting as any sporting event you ever going to see it, it transformed right in front of your eyes into that kind of event and then the passion it's unmatched like i've talked about before you know it's like going to going across the pond with the fights where the people are there you know cheering the the english fans over there they're so passionate they're singing songs and i've said often it's almost like a soccer game there's nothing like it because you know, it's one thing if we go to a Knicks game or if we go to a, <laughs> to a Jets game, uh, you know, even a Super Bowl, whatever. You go to a big event, you're rooting for your team, you know. And, and maybe part of it is mixed in with childhood memories when your dad took you or your grandfather or, or somebody took you to a game and that makes it extra special. But you're rooting for a country, and the history that's attached to that country, your history, your personal history that's attached with that, there's nothing more powerful than those kind of emotions, those, those kind of feelings. And, and the only thing I would say, you know, it ended in a shootout, Argentina winning in a shootout. And again, theater, dramatic, everything. And as a friend of mine, Pedro, pointed out that... And, and he's a great soccer fan, great boxing fan, watches this all the time. And he's right. He said that there was theater there. You know, that's the rules. you got to live by the rules. The rules are a shootout. 
and if it goes past two overtimes, and the precision, the mental control, you know, handling of yourself under that pressure. I mean, the proof of it was one one of the French players missed the goal. So it shows you the intensity, the the amount of concentration, the talent, everything, the character, um, the world on your shoulders, literally, almost. And all of those things are present in the shootout. But I have to tell you that I think it should be played out on the field. On a field of play, Ken. I don't know how you feel about that. I was going to tell you, my only really my only do. criticism is I wish they just play until someone wins, not penalty kicks. It's a totally different sport I when agree. you just go and, to kicks. And, and some people are going to say, well, how long could that go? As long until as Until someone takes. scores, exactly. Until, as long as, lay it all out there. You know what? It's a world game. You know, I, I have a different perspective, and I'll touch on it real quick. See, I look at it this way, that you're representing countries. Every country, if you go back in their history, has battled, has fought. People have died for that country. People have died to give the people that are now living in that country the ability to live their lives. That there have been lives taken. There have been lives, you know, given for the freedoms of those countries, the freedoms that now everyone enjoys, we enjoy, that the soccer players that are so talented and work so hard to hone those talents, they get to go out there and make millions of dollars and, and be heroes, be gods to a certain extent almost, you know, in their countries. And it's all because, as, as in everything in life, because somebody before us, in this case, People that, military people, people, you know, in different ways gave up everything to give us those kind of opportunities, those kind of liberties. So I just think that you kind of, you kind of almost have an obligation to honor those, to honor that, to honor that history where it's a world game. It's on a world stage. It's the closest thing we have to a real world game, right? So the whole world watches you know, billions of people. So, for me, in my mind, in my heart, I think that you get to celebrate and, again, pay tribute to all the people that allowed you to be on this stage, that went before you in the ways that I just talked about. And in the same way that they did. Yeah, you're not going to die on the field. You're, there's not gun battle. But, in its own right, it represents the battlefield. The battlefield of all our countries that we've all been born from. And let it be let it be won and lost on that battlefield. Really, on that battlefield. Not in a shooting gallery. Not in a rifle range. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I'm not taking anything away from the shootout. It was dramatic. It, was, it took great, great, great talent, as Pedro reminded me. No doubt about it. But it's not the battlefield. Lay it out on a battlefield. Somebody said, but Teddy, it could go on for hours. Yeah. You know what? 
greatness suffers. Greatness suffers. And many, many suffered to give you to give you and all of us a chance to be great, to dare to be great. So it's okay. Suffer. It'll be the greatest suffering you ever did in your life. It'll be sweet suffering. That's all. That's my piece. That's it. I had to say that. Great, great, unbelievable, tremendous game. And can one last thing. Can you hear me that, Sam? My man, Sam, over here. And uh, yeah, give me that. Uh, listen, this simple product, right? Simple product. No, they're not sponsoring us yet. They're not. They're not. <laughs> but they're gonna. They're, I hope they are. For the people out there that have been giving me a little bit of hell, I don't read the stuff, but I get told a little bit sometimes. They give me a little hell. And listen, I love you so anyway. But about the the Patty Batty, you know, Pimblet uh, decision. Listen, use this. Clean your ears a little bit, you know, three twists in each ear. Three twists in each ear, a little alcohol, won't burn, right? It does wonders because I didn't say he won. I'm not going back on anything. I just, you know, I just want to you know, understand to take the time to hear what I'm saying properly. That I didn't say that he won. I said that that fight was close. I could see either guy getting it. I could have saw a draw. I didn't have a problem with Pimblet getting it. I understand even a little favoritism because he could put more seats, uh, fannies in his seats, all of that. I, I understand it. And Gordon would have won. Fine. It was that kind of close fight. But to call it the Great Brinks robbery. Please. It wasn't even the Great Piggyback ro piggy bank Robbery. And my kids, my grandkids, I, they got piggy banks upstairs. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, uh, if, if you crack one of them over... That would be more of a robbery. <laughs> that would be more of a robbery than took place with Pimblet and Gordon. It was not that kind. I, I, it, it actually upsets me because there's real robberies out there going on every week and been going on for, unfortunately, for hundreds of years in this sport, my sport, that I've been 50 years in, in boxing. Terrible, terrible robberies in the Olympics and amateurs and the pros, and they continue. But that wasn't, that, that wasn't one of them. I agree that, with you a hundred percent. I think that the, when the media, I think right. a lot of people yeah. take a lot of solace in the fact that Joe Rogan acted surprised too. Like, okay, Joe thought that Joe thought that uh, um, Gordon won in a in you know one sided maybe. But I'm with you. All those rounds were super close. I thought Gordon probably won, but I didn't think, like you said, I didn't think it was like so Please. egregious that Come we're going to have like an investigation by any means. But no, and yeah. and if you don't have these. I don't know. I was going to say, put your address up on the website. I, I'll get them sent to you. I, I can send them to you. But, uh, uh, all right. Or, or use this. Here, use. Don't use this end. Do not use this end. Use this end. All right? But be careful. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Uh, all right. By the way, Teddy, oh. before we get into the fights, it uh, looks like the, the dynasty is officially over. The end of the Patriots game yesterday was... Something that you might expect to see from oh a my God, someone Ken, you might Ken, expect Ken, to see from a Ken, junior high team. But but a Bill Belichick team? Uh, you, a Bill, it's over. Can you it's imagine? Over. We no, we joke sometimes about about the demeanor of Bill Belichick. Like, hey Bill, what do you uh, um 
next week in your game, uh, you got to rush, you got to do that. What do you do? Yes, we will be there. But during, in the game, are you looking to rush more? Bang? Are you looking to throw in any trick? Um, we will prepare and we will be there. Uh, Bill, do you, I mean, that's him. That That's his stoic response all the time. He he. If you cut him open, footballs will come out. I mean, that's, that's it. But can you imagine his... I, I think they might have found brain matter on the walls of, of the locker room after that game in his locker room. You know because why? Can you, you know why? Uh, this if was there's so one str- thing he can't tolerate, how how is a guy like Bill Belichick, the coach that he is, the no nonsense stoic coach that's all football? How does he how does he deal with a team losing that way? Doing this? St- I mean, you, I can't even call it stupidity. You it's, know what what it goes is below? What goes below stupidity? Moronicism? Is there a word called moronicism? I mean, what goes below moronicism? Is it you know called- what was so surprising about that, Teddy? When the first guy lateral the ball, I'm like, oh my God, what is this guy doing? Go down, go down. When the second guy did it, but that just goes to show you with what you were talking about earlier with the uh, Patty Pimblett result. It's like a mob mentality. When you see one person do something, you're like, oh, shit, this isn't that stupid. Oh, good idea. <laughs> Maybe good we point. can win. That's a and good it, point there. Because, Teddy, one guy to lateral a ball with no time left in a tie score, you're going at one guy lateral. You're like, dude, what are you doing? You just had a brain freeze. Like, I, just, I mean, okay. Beyond but when the brain freeze. When the, the brain was second removed, guy, like, Teddy, uh, when the second guy did it, I was like, you stupid son of a bitch. Then when... When Chandler Jones catches the ball and Mac Jones is attempted a tackle, I was like, Mac Jones, you're a quarterback, but Jesus Christ, you're still a football player. Grab a hold of him. Don't let him. I was never so upset at a losing a team losing. Like I said, I was like, I can't blame you. How did we you just imagine? turn into That's a junior saying, high Bill, team? Bill, they had to send the cleaning team into the locker room to remove the brain matter when Bill Belichick's brain exploded. Because I'm getting, it exploded I'm getting in the angry room. again just thinking about it. Every single step, including... Mac Jones, grab a hold of him and don't let go like your life depends on it. Instead, it looked like a little boy trying to tackle a grown man and the guy, he didn't try to put a move on him. He ran him right over. You're still a big, giant, athletic guy. Tackle him. Hold on to him for a split second. Oh, disgusting. I've never been so upset about a game that didn't involve me. It might be the stupidest, really, and this is quite a statement. Because I've watched a lot of sports over the years, so have you. It might be the dumbest, stupidest, <laughs> most uh, moronic thing I've ever seen ever on a on a any playing field of sports, and I've seen some crazy ones. Yeah, but the I mean, poor guy, I actually feel really bad for all the guys involved because they're going to go down in the annals of sports as, like you just said, one of the dumbest I, plays ever. And you're talking and, about and like guys you said, who are the good. circumstances. I mean, the, the game, you're going into overtime. You're, you, it's not like you're losing. The game is exactly, tied. Exactly. It's not like you're losing. Maybe Did somebody not tell them that they actually weren't losing? I know. And that I, they thought it was a last it was desperation. And the last, the, the last play on the touchdown, it was like, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm biased, but I thought his foot was com- tef- de- obviously no, no, it out was. of bounds. It was. Listen, there's no doubt that that foot was on the line. There's no doubt. 
I, I don't know what more they want. They, they were talking, the commentators were saying, well, if they could have zeroed in. Well, what, you don't have the technology to zero in on that. <laughs> I know it was, really, are you it's kidding me? Of, there's a lot I of mean, money what in important take, decisions. I mean, maybe. what are you out there taking, what are you taking, Kodak and, uh, Kodak films and you're, you're waiting <laughs> you to send it to seconds, the dark room. And, and then you got to, oh, are you kidding me? We're waiting for the you film got to, to take, be developed. It's the NFL. Yep. You can't zoom in on that. <laughs> Unless you don't want to. I don't know. It was just, man, oh, man, oh, man. What a comedy of errors. To lose a game like that, you're up with like less than a minute to go, and you all of those all those things happen. Yikes. Anyway, let's get into the fights. We got a lot to cover before we get to your man, Stephen A. Smith. Let's start with the undercard on the uh, Martin Rivera fight, starting with uh, Vincent Astrolabio against Nik- Nikolai Post. Postapov, um, six-round knockout for Astrolabio, the um, Filipino. He looked awesome at bantamweight. Um, good fight. I thought these guys were throwing punches for little guys. Usually when I see those little guys coming in the ring, I'm expecting just a, basically a 12-round, you know, all, even even when it's all action, very rarely do you get a dramatic stoppage like this. Not that the not that the knockout was devastating, but obviously it was enough for Potapov not to get up off the deck. He took the nine, ten count on his knee. But how'd you like that one? Yeah, Pop, listen, I thought from the beginning that Astrolabia would be too strong for him, too physical for him. Pop Popalov was it Pop Pop? T- Potapov, how do you pronounce it? Potapov, P-O-T-A-P-O-V, Potapov. Potapov was um, a Potapov puncher. He was uh, not a big puncher. All the power went to Astrolabio. 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 Astrolabio, not only does he have power, what he didn't get enough credit for was he's very good at timing his punches. He was timing left counter left hooks he um again the referee was bad i I, i'm sorry uh he scored two knockdowns one was with a right hand on top of the head where he scored a knockdown over potapoff and he didn't get credit for it the second knockdown he got credit for it it didn't matter because you know he took things into his own hands um you know by by getting the knockout the stoppage but it could have mattered uh, he got credit for the knockdown with the left hook, but not with the right hand. Uh, we got to get better refereeing. Um, but again, uh, Potapov, he, Potopov, Potapov, he, Potapov. <laughs> yeah, Potapov. I'm going to call him, uh, I don't Nikolai. Know, Pot. Nikolai. Um, Nikolai. Nikolai was, Probably a little faster with his hands. He he was busier. But Estrelabio was from the beginning, for me, the guy that was going to be the boss of this fight. He was too strong, and he knew how to use his power. As I said, he timed punches really well. Um, I, I thought that uh, he landed all the telling punches, even though Nikolai, you know, showed heart and, you know, was as I said, he had his spots where he was busier. But the guy in control of the fight was Astrolabio. And um, as I said, the power is one thing, but the ability to deliver that power 
you know, precisely the right time, that's that's priceless. And um, we were talking about football a minute ago, so I'll jump into an analogy like a quarterback with a powerful arm, you know, who can throw the ball. But the most important thing is he throws it at the precise moment. The receiver's about to make a move to get open, and he can place it on the mark. I mean, that's, that, that is where the talent truly lies. So anyway, uh, good showing by Astrolabio. Um, and, and, uh, and then we can get on to the next fight on Showtime, which yep. um, they should call it. I think they should call sleepy time because I get sleepy every time I watch them. Not because the fight's always bad, because sometimes they're the undercard, like most of the undercards, can be not good. These were good. These they were, were okay. good. These I were, agree. These were good. Sometimes they can be bad, but the thing most here, times they can be bad. Yeah, but God, they go on too late. Oh yeah. my God! <laughs> but go ahead, let's go to the next fight. That's Jose Uskatagi, who I always love seeing in action. He reminds me of one of those guys who you might say loses every time he steps up to the next level. He was in uh, in tough with the uh, with the up and coming. Uh, Nikolai, uh, sorry, Vladimir Shishkin. Uskatagi loses a unanimous decision, 115-113. On one card, 17-11, 117-111 on the other three. But every time I think of Uskatagi, I think about the time he fought Andre Durrell. Anthony Durrell, Andre Durrell, when he... Um, when he oh, two uh, Andre, two Andre, Andre Andre Durrell. He fought Andre Durrell. He beat him once, lost him once. But after the fight, Durrell's uncle or corner man or someone went over and sucker punched someone in Uskatagi's corner. So every time I think of him, I, I think about the, that. Terrible, Just one of the terrible. one of the worst that moves be, I've ever that seen. That should be automatically you should be banned for life. I don't for know what life. they did. But I don't know about, with bare but unfortunately, boxing does nothing. And they weren't um, having aggressive words, Teddy. He just walked across, said a few things, and then cracked him. And actually, like, no, the there, most- there's no, there can't be tolerance for that in our society, much less in our in our sports. Sports. Think about it. Sports. That's crazy. Sport. You can't punch I mean, someone about, in the face unsolicited. Think about what goes behind that word, and what's attached to that word, sport. Yeah. And you know. I uh, boxing really pisses me off because I don't know what they did if they did anything. But Pretty sure I just the guy's banned forever. If he's naughty, he should I, be. I hope so because I know boxing too often because that's the problem. You don't have a national commission. You got these weak separate commissions in different states. Some states basically don't even have a commission. I mean, like if you showed up, you they give you a hat for the night and say, <laughs> hey, Ken, you, you want to you wanna be commish? Well, you want to you be, you be a and, judge? You you want to be a judge, so <laughs> I, I hope they did some. But the the sport needs better, really needs <laughs> better executive action. But then again, you'd have to be, get better executives to get better executive action. <laughs> so well, one thing uh, one thing what? was for sure at Super Middle, Uskatagi always puts on entertaining fights. Anytime I see him on the card, I always look forward to seeing. It. And they're at that weight. I like Super Middle. You always get guys that you know. There's not a lot of room for error as you start to get into that like 160, 168 pound weight. You know what I mean? The guys can crack. Uh, not quite like heavies, but I like that size. Um, but good action, good fight. 
Shishkin gets the um, gets the unanimous decision and runs his record to um, 13 and 0 now with uh, eight knockouts. Like you know, as we've always discussed here, um, depends who you're fighting. But he steps up, fights Uskatagi, who's becoming becoming a bit of a gatekeeper now, and gets the win. Does what he has to do, and looks good doing it. How'd you like it? No, listen, it was a good fight. Uh, as you just said, Uzatagi is one-dimensional, you know, walking in, not hard to find, you know, gets insulted a little bit, you know, kind of like Robert De Niro said in uh, Goodfellas, right? you insulted him a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. You know, he gets insulted a little bit if you miss him. But uh, Shiskin was the just technically the better fighter, uh, you know, his punches were straighter. You know, when you have straighter punches and Uzusaki, uh, Uzak, Uzatagi, uh, Uzatagi is going to have, um, it's going to have round punches, looping punches. Guess what? You don't need Teddy Atlas, uh, or the great Eddie Fudge or Angelo Dundee or any, or Ray Arcel or any of those greats. Um, you don't need or Manuel Stewart. You don't need any of them to tell you who's going to be the better man that night in the ring for the most part. The guy throwing the straighter, cleaner punches. And that was Shishkin. His technique was better. Uh, he counterpunches well. He uses his he uses the ring pretty well uh, to box, which he did. Um, you know, he's a guy that it's not impossible to find him either. He, you know, he got touched enough. I, I didn't think Uzaki uh, uses jab enough. If you're going to press, press behind the jab. So you make it a little harder for the opponent to pot shot you on the way in. Uzataki didn't do that enough. I also thought Uzataki should have went to the body more, Ken. Um, he seemed to have some effect when he went there in spots. He didn't go there enough. Uh but I thought he was trying to wear down with his pressure, Shishkin. It just didn't work. It looked like he might start to get to his gas tank a little bit. And that's why I thought if he went to the body, he might have drained the gas tank a little more. But he didn't. And Shishkin pretty much was in control. Um, good fight. But he was, he was the guy that was in control of the fight, the rhythm of the fight. Uh, for the most part, all night, where he was doing what he wanted to do a lot more than Ustagi was doing what he wanted to do. Um, and again, uh, Shishkin's, uh, yeah, he's got he's got decent skills. Um, he's not great in one area. You know, he's not a huge puncher. You know, he's not the fastest lightning guy in the world, but he's a nice, solid guy. You know, he can get off if you're waiting in front. He'll beat you to the mark. You know, he'll counter punch. Like I said, he knows how to use the ring. Uh, at the end of the day, he was the better guy. Now, I guess he'll move up. He'll be rated. I don't know that he was rated. I don't. I didn't see him in the ratings. But now he should be rated. I'm, a, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, how does he fit in in the 168-pound division? There's only one real killer. You could say two if you want, but the other the other one might be semi-retired. That's Canelo. You know, he he's he's a little long in the tooth, Canelo now, 
And um, but Benavides is the real boss man at the 168. He's not ready for Benavides. But then again, either is Canelo. If we're going to talk the truth here, uh huh. Do you hear some stirring there uh, in the fan base of the Canelo fan base? Do you hear a little rumbling? Do you hear a little uh, a little noise there, Ken? With that I said that, but just in case they weren't using uh, Q-tips, I'll say it again. Uh, you know, Benavides, nobody's going to come close to him in the 168. Uh, Canelo, anybody, nobody's ready for him. Uh, I think that he's too big and strong for everybody there. But I do think Shiskin fits in with everyone else. Uh, maybe not with Canelo, but he fits in with... But again, Canelo is getting older. We don't know from fight to fight what you're going to get when he gets in a ring again. That's how it works in my sport. That's how it works in this business. But he's ready for the plants. I, I, I think Plant would have an edge on him, but could he fit in there with Plant, the former champion, you know, who got whose only losses to Canelo late in the fight he got stopped? Yeah, he could fit in with him. Uh, I think Plant would have the edge because... Shiskin tries to control range pretty good. I think that it would be hard for him to control range against Plant because Plant is also good with his legs, also good with understanding what territory he needs to own. Um, I don't think that he would get uh, he would get as an obliging figure as he got from Uzatagi, where you know he's just coming in in a one way way all night long uh plant plant would have obviously more to offer in that area but it would be a competitive fight so let's move on all right teddy in the main event frank martin looked incredibly dominant against michelle rivera got the unanimous decision basically won almost all the rounds 117 110 118 109 and 120 107 in a lightweight fight frank martin looked real good how'd you like that one uh, the the coming out of a star, the the burning of a star in front of us. Nobody heard of this guy before. He's been a that, well. That's what I was at. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think Frank Martin looked like an up and coming star, or was the competition just one sided? No, I, the competition wasn't great, and the commentators tried too hard. They bent over backwards, or they embellished a little bit, or maybe they don't know the difference, quite frankly. I don't know. They, they're good guys. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, one of them was wearing sunglasses uh, indoors at nighttime. Now, maybe he had an eye injury, really, and I'm being serious. If you had an eye injury, God bless you. Uh, wear sunglasses. But if you don't have an eye injury, why are you wearing sunglasses indoors at night? I, I don't... I, I don't understand i don't want to it's so egregious it's so egregious i'm going to assume he has an eye injury has to be yeah all right fine but i guess so so putting that aside um hopefully they were seeing things clearly the way i was seeing them uh rivera they built them up like you know uh, one of the commentators went way overboard saying early on but they do this all the time where they said and, and they wonder why the fans sometimes don't trust them. They, they said, this is one of the greatest matchups in years of undefeated fighters. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's not. No, it took me about a half a second to reject that notion. No, it's not. No, it's not. And, and you know, I used to go on ESPN for all those years at Friday Night Fights, and it was a bad show, I told you. People didn't like it. My, my, uh, some of the promoters didn't like it. Aram, those guys, whoever was promoting those shows back then, it wasn't just Aram. It was different people. They used to shop them out to different guys, which is the right way to do instead of having one promoter because you have one promoter, there, there's no reason for them to give you a good product anyway. They got a, they got a deal. They, they're in. They're locked in. They're cemented in. They, uh, what is the incentive to give you the best show night in and night out? But if you have competition where you have different guys vying for that date on ESPN and vying to do the show, now, now there's incentive to put the right show on. But anyway, I used to go on before, and if it was a bad show, I said, hey, look, this ain't a good show. And people used to go nuts. They said, oh my God, he's going to chase people away. I didn't chase anyone away. We, we had the number one rated show on ESPN2 uh, at that time. We, out, we beat everybody in the ratings except for part in the interruption. Those guys, those guys are iconic. Will Pond and, and, um, Will Pond and um, uh, what, who's the, um, they're both, tri- yeah, not Greenberg. Will Pond and, uh, part in the interruption. They're, they're great. Um, uh, what's it? Yeah, you'll catch it. It's Will Pond and um. Anyway, yeah, yeah, Kornheiser yeah. and Will Pond. They they are great. And but otherwise, we were the number ones in there for years. And I used to say, if it's a bad show, I tell you. And people would say, oh, you're gonna chase him. I didn't chase him. You know why? People admire and respect the truth. They look for the truth, especially today when it's so hard to get it, where they said, you know what, this guy's going to be truthful with me. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch, and there'll be other fights that'll be okay. I'm, I'm going to, I am going to pay him back for him giving me the truth, which I don't get all the time. I get these shows come on and say, oh, this is going to be the greatest fight since the thrill in Manila, you know, and, and, and meanwhile, it's anything but. So to say that this is the greatest f- matchup of undefeated fighters in years, come on. Maybe you don't realize what Rivera is and isn't. Martin, again, I think he's the coming of a star. And it came out. And he got a chance to show that, to come out and show that uh, the other night. But Rivera's not that guy. Rivera was undefeated. That doesn't mean you're a great fighter. It means that maybe your management was very careful with who you fought. But, and then to make it like, they made it like his right hand was the right hand of like Ernie Chavis. <laughs> I mean, I, it wasn't even a right hand of like Joey Chavis. I don't know who Joey Chavis is. <laughs> but I, it, they made it like if he touched him with the right hand, it's over. Like you, you have that kind of theater all night. And again, that's either misjudgment or being disingenuous. One or the other. And if it's misjudgment, then I don't know that you should be calling fights. I, I don't know. But Rivera's not that puncher. He's not that kind of fighter. But Martin was. Martin was. And Martin took him apart piece by piece, brick by brick, and showed what he is. And I was impressed as you can tell, I was so impressed. The, Martin is so damn good and, and quietly good 
that he fits in in maybe the toughest division in boxing. Uh, there's a few of them that are pretty tough now. Light heavyweights are pretty tough. But um, it might be the most competitive, toughest division in boxing, the lightweight, 135-pound division. He fits in with the top guys. He fits in with the monsters. He fits in there with, with the Tank Davises, with the, with the Garcias. Um, he, he fits in there with the Lomas. He fits... He fits in there, I believe, with all of those guys. Um, he could even, if if the other guy that's the 130-pound champ that really doesn't have competition there, quite frankly, his talent is really just superior to everybody else and his style is difficult and superior. And that would be Shakur Stevenson at 130. He's that good at 130 and his talent is that good and stands out that much that... And he's big. He's a big, big 130-pounder, and he's young. I think he's going to have to move up to 135. He wants to test those waters, test them with Martin. I'm telling you, Martin, Martin will give him hell. Martin, that's how good. And I don't think many guys could give Shakur Stevenson hell because his style is so difficult. His talent is so large. It's so good. But I think Martin, he has the ability to do that. He has the cerebralness. Um, he's a southpaw. He he is he is technically really really sound in in every area. He's got great instincts. I'm gonna break the fight down for you. What he did with Rivera. Now Rivera again they built him up, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Uh, just an average guy. And I'm not trying to knock Rivera, but I have to take him down a few steps from the way they they the way that they built him up and and uh, you know put him out there as he's he's a he's a guy that obviously he's undefeated obviously he's a confident guy he, he's a gutsy guy but he's just you know he's tapioca compared to martin's Pudding. Is pudding better than tapioca or Martin's uh, chocolate mousse or Martin's uh, what, whatever is the next stage from tapioca? From, he, he's, like a, he's like vanilla ice cream, Rivera, compared to Martin who's a sundae with everything. With the marshmallow, with the banana, with the sprinkles, with the, with the hot fudge. Do you put hot fudge with marshmallow? I don't know. I don't know. But... Martin, he is that complete guy and that quiet, complete guy. He controlled range with a taller guy all night long, even though he's a much shorter guy. Why? Because he's got that instinct. He's got that judgment of distance and he's well taught. His people teaching him, his trainer teaching him, doing a hell of a job. He controls range beautifully with his feet. He has fast feet and fast hands. He had the quicker hands and the quicker feet all night long. And that was the main difference. That was the main difference. And on top of it, like I said earlier, he's a southpaw that gives you problems anyway. Inherent problems just being a lefty because not everyone does well or faces a lot of lefties in their career. So the lefty sometimes inherently has an advantage in that sort of way sometimes. He, he controlled range. He set traps. Tank Davis... 
sets traps well too. He set beautiful traps. He stepped back just enough to invite Rivera to give up his reach, to reach a little bit. And what did he do? He counted. Beautiful. Just just on a silver platter. Beautiful. If he had the power of Tank Davis, and not too many people do, not too many people have Tank Davis's power. Punches are born, they're not made. Davis was born with power. But if he had that, he would have knocked out Rivera. And as it was, I thought if he stepped on a gas pedal, but that's not his way. His way is to be cerebral, to be, I don't want to say cautious, but to be deliberate. To be maybe cautious, but to be deliberate to be right, and he doesn't waste a damn thing. Your grandmother would invite him over to dinner every night because he's going to clean the plate. He ain't going to waste a damn thing. He doesn't throw away punches. He throws what he thinks need to be thrown. And um, again, he, he just deliberately, methodically performed all night long. At, at the end of the day, I was like, bravo, thank you. You showed me a new guy. You know, he's a player. At the end of that, I was like, you're a player. Mr. Martin, you're a player. And you know what I loved at the end when he talked? He talked the way he fights. Calm, smart, controlled, confident, not over the top. You know, just just very professional, very serious. He's a serious dude. He spoke very serious. And um, obviously, as you can tell, I was, I was impressed by him. Uh, I want to give him his due. I believe in that. I, I believe in when somebody needs to get this, chop, 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 chop. They get chop, 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 chop. They get the chop, chop. Um, but when they need to get the lift up, oof, the push up, they're going to get that over here too. And... It was, he needed to get that. He gets it from me. Um, completely controlled the rhythm of the fight. He was the boss, applesauce. You know, as my grandson always says, I'm the boss, applesauce. And don't give me none of your lip potato chip. My grandson um, is always with me. All my grandchildren in my mind, if not in front of me. And... Um, that's it. Sounds good. Let's jump over to the um, UFC. Again, lots to cover there. Another fight night um, on the main event was uh, Cannonier Strickland. But let's start with the undercard. Uh, Cody, Br- Cody Brundage gets knocked out by uh, Mikhail Olskachuk. Olskachuk. What do we... What do, no. Can we start with the first fight of the main card, uh, Green and Doba? Yeah, that that Brundage was the first fight, but we'll we'll skip that one. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that one. I saw the no green Doba. No problem. Brundage gets knocked out in the first round by Olex Jack. Not not much to discuss there anyway. Drew Drew Do- Drew Dober scores a second round knockout against Bobby Green. I like both guys, both entertaining, all action fighters. Drew Dober looks like the all American kid. He gets a second round knockout. What'd you think? Listen, Green was picking Dobo apart. Let's not leave that out. He was picking Fair. him apart, pot shotting, and his striking. Um, he was slicing and dicing him. Uh, and then, as I, you know, as I always talk about, it's nice to have that greater racer, Ken. You know, power. 
You know, it's, it's like going into the confessional booth in church. It can erase a lot of sins really fast. And sure enough, bang, Doba erases all his sins and mistakes of the night with one big straight left hand, just like Deontay Wilder, who also has that great eraser, has done many times with his big right hand when it's pulled him out of the fire because of his lacking of technique, quite frankly. So uh, that was, I mean, that in a nutshell, that's what it was. Doba pulled that fight with his power out of the flames. Next up, who's next? Who's next? Bruce Leroy, Alex Casares gets a uh, gets the first round knockout against Julian Arroso with a kick. How'd you like it? Sensational one kick knockout. You, usually, I say one punch knockout. My business one kick knockout. Um, unbelievable. You heard of Casares, a walk off, Teddy? This is a kickoff. Oh, uh, it's a kickoff. A hundred percent. You know. Uh, very similar, reminiscent to me, what Edwards did to Usman. Uh, the only difference was that it was later in the Usman fight, very late in the last round, and Usman was way ahead. You know, so it was like, wow, it was uh, you know unbelievable because it created the comeback and a huge upset. But this, uh, that way, it's different. But otherwise, Caceres. I always talk about, it's not about the power of the kick or the power of the punch. It's about the delivery of the punch or the kick. The setup. This delivery system. And Caceres used the throwaway punch to set up the KO kick. And again, similar to what Edwards did to set up Usman. You know, uh, Caceres is both impressive as a fighter and a person. You know, he spoke afterwards so so eloquently, Ken, um, and honestly, saying as I often speak about, you know, the fear uh, that people have in whatever they do, uh, you know, you're doing something that can be scary, something that's difficult, something, it doesn't have to be physical fear, it could be emotional fear, but, you know, you're going to ask your boss for a raise, whatever it is, something that's uncomfortable. And nothing's more uncomfortable than getting into Nothing's more uncomfortable than getting into a cage or into a boxing ring and can be more scary. And I also I always say that anyone who says they're not afraid, they're one of two things. They're either a liar or they need to go to a doctor and find out what the fix going on. Please, please, because something's missing. Fear's there for a reason. We just have to learn to control it, to have us ready to be at our best. Nature put it there for a reason. Without it, we'd be dead every day. You walk across the street, you wouldn't look to see if a car, why do you look to see if a car's coming? Because you're afraid that you might get hit by a car and you might die. So you look, nature put it there to have you ready, to have you alert in situations where you need to be ready and you need to be alert. And because, and a lot of times fighters deny it. They, they, you know, they they push it away. They they say, "Oh no, I'm not afraid." They don't talk about, it. and then it has, and then it has a better chance of getting the better of them, because if they don't address it, if they're not going to be honest and cognizant about it being there, they're not going to know how to control it and how to deal with it. They might even think that because they have it, they shouldn't have it, and that makes them inadequate instead of making them normal. 
So I love the fact, because again, that's my wheelhouse. I love the fact that Caceres spoke about it, that afterwards he, he said, somebody, I forget what the question was, but he said, yeah, I'm afraid in there. And nobody does that. And, and he said, I'm afraid in there, you know, but he controls it. <laughs> he learns to live with it. He makes it his friend. And he goes out there and he does what he has to do. Um, he doesn't allow it to get the best of him. You know, as I also say, it's not how you feel that matters. It's what you do. It's what you do. It's not that you feel afraid. What do you do? Because the other guy feels the same damn way. So I was very, very impressed um, with him as a fighter, as a spokesperson, if you will, maybe for, for the UFC, for MMA, for fighting. Uh, he was that eloquent. He was that smart. He was that honest. Uh, and he evoked from me where this, where I needed to say that about him. So next Next up, the tough Iraqi fighter, Amir Abazi, gets a third-round knockout over Alessandro Costa, runs his record to 16-1. and uh, Third-round knockout. How'd you like it? Abazi used his jab like it was a boxing match in the first round, striking, taking a round on the strength of his jab. Uh, as I often say, he set the table with the jab, and then he ate with his right hand. It was... Uh, Here's the, here's the thing that I think needs to be talked about a little bit. It was Costa's UFC debut. And not too much of a Christmas gift from Dana the Grinch, uh, the Grinch White. And, and I'm joking. Dana's a great guy. He's a smart guy. He's a genius. But listen, do you need more proof? I mean, you talk about putting coal in somebody's stocking. Here's his debut. This is the debut of, of Mr. Costa, right? And what does he get? He gets this monster, Albazi. You know, but that's what the UFC's all about. Nobody gets a free lunch. You know, somebody gets a little of this and that. But for the most part, nobody, because he's a businessman. I mean, he does want to build stars like Conor McGregor and guys. But still, even those guys, they got to get in there with semi-monsters if it's not a full-fledged monster it's a semi because that's all you got is monsters over there so nobody gets a layup nobody gets a slam dunk like i said no free lunch over at mr white's house none and um obviously costa did not get a gift uh in his debut at all uh, <laughs> so albazi is very basic with his approach, solid technically, and he's very well-rounded. He's also very smart, and he showed it to me as he changed the eye level of his punch that scored the knockout to an uppercut so Costa would never see it coming. I mean, he changed that eye level like he was throwing him at a different eye level, and then all of a sudden, bang, he selects. See, smart fighters, really good fighters, not only throw good punches, they select the right punch to throw at the right time. And that's exactly what he did to score the knockout. Um, and he started to jab just a little bit, again, to detract Costa. And then he shot the uppercut. And it was very impressive, very clean. Um, 
I was very uh I was very impressed by Albazi and I felt bad about Costa getting cold in the stocking. Next <laughs> Next up the ever tough Armenian Arman Sakorian um in against Tamir is 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 Magalov uh, from Kazakhstan. It's about time you struggle. It's about time you struggle, Mr. Pretty Boy. Ha ha. Everybody uh, likes to see the Golden Boys struggle a little bit. They love to see Sugar Ray Leonard struggle with Duran. Why shouldn't Ken Rideout struggle just a little bit? Just a little bit. Saruki gets a one-sided decision, 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Uh, like I said, he's Armenian. I don't think I've ever seen an Armenian that uh, an Armenian that wasn't extremely tough, but uh, he put it on. He put it on the Kazakh uh, Saturday night, one-sided decision, and yeah, pretty one-sided. How'd you like it? Interesting fight at the start. Both very smart and technically sound. Tsakian, um he won the first round. Then he won the second round, in my book at least, obviously, also controlling the battle of geography. And Ismagalov needed, at that point, going into the, uh, going into the next round, um, the last round, he needed to stand and strike in the final round and keep his range, you know, so that, so that, Tsakian couldn't close the gap and shoot for his legs if he was going to have a chance to pull it out of the fire. That's what I thought Ismagalov had to do was strike and stay on his feet and, like I said, control range to do that if he had any chance at all, Ken, of launching a comeback. But Tsakian got him to the mat, and I'm telling you, he was like a chess master there. He is so good, really. <laughs> I mean, you move your pawn, he moves his knight. He moves. Uh, you move your bishop, he, you know. Uh, he, he moves, uh, you know, his um, castle. Uh, I mean, and and then next thing you know, he's got you. He's he's got you surrounded, uh, and obviously, he he had control of that whole fight, and. Um, that takes us to the next one, which I will allow you the privilege of introducing again. Bef before I do, let's give a quick shout out, Teddy, to our number one sponsor, Athletic Greens, for all your uh, health and wellness insurance needs. The all-in-one green drink, it's basically a daily vitamin in the form of a green drink, 75 whole food sourced ingredients. You can't go wrong. Take care of your health and wellness like your life depends on it because it does. Take this every single day. One simple scoop with 12 ounces of water. Off you go. You go about your business. No matter what happens with the rest of the day with your diet, you know that you've at least got all the vitamins, minerals, probiotics, etc. Everything you need to have a healthy mind and body. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. They'll send you 10 free travel packs plus a year's supply of vitamin D. Vitamin D is a known defense mechanism against COVID and many other ailments. Everyone's Most people are deficient in vitamin D, so that's a great uh, pickup for free. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas for some free goodies, travel packs, vitamin D. You get it all. Athletic Greens, give them a shot. They're a friend of the uh, podcast. They've been with us from the beginning. Teddy, in the main event Saturday, Jared Cannonier, Cannonier in against the Everton 
tough Sean Strickland. Incredible fight. All action on the feet. I think it touched the ground for maybe less than a minute the entire fight. Um, Strickland threw a lot more punches, but Cannonier apparently much more uh, decisive and in, in selective in the shots he threw. Interesting judge score, scoring, though, from the judges. We have 49-46, so basically 4-1 to one by two of the judges in favor of Cannonier. But the third judge, Sal D'Amato, sees it four rounds to one for Strickland. That tells you everything you need to know about how close the fight was, or maybe it doesn't. What did you think of the judging, and how would you like the fight? No, I didn't like the judging, but listen, again, not the Brinks robbery. Not I'm not going to go and cry in my milk or my Guinness or anything else uh, like like the Gordon fans did or the fans that just don't like Patty the baddie. Uh, I don't know, but I'm not going to go berserk. So I'm not going to go bonkers. Not the worst decision ever. I thought Strickland won. I thought Strickland won the fight. I would have gave it to him, um, but again... Uh, can you make an argument for both sides? Yeah, I guess you can. And the argument, like I tweeted all night about it. Um, and again, shouts out there and props to Brennan and Ian and Rob, my elite tweet team, Twitter team. Uh, we actually, I love when we get, I love when we get one up on the air. And we got one up on the air on TV. They put it up there. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Oh, wow. I, I actually text back to them. Hey, guys, we're up on, we, we got put up on the air. We got put up on the air. You know, I've been on TV for like 40 years. <laughs> I was going to say, but, it's pretty but, funny but, that but, that gets you but, uh, excited. But, but I'm like, hey, guys, we're up, we're up, we're up, we're up, wow. So, um, listen, first round Strickland. He used to jab in his legs. He controlled the range and he won the round. Uh, to me, I mean, then the same in the second round. Uh, for me, it was boxing 101, where he's using his legs and the jabs to take the second round. So he's up two to nothing. Cannonier kept applying steady pressure. That was his game plan. You know, he's deliberate. He's the better puncher. Um, he, you know, he was being steady. He was hoping his pressure would break or at least get to where it put some holes in Strickland a little bit. Uh, he kept applying steady pressure, and he was looking to place the harder, more telling punches than Strickland uh, did in spots. But for me, it was Strickland who had the more consistent flow of offense with his jab occasionally setting the table for combinations. Uh, he could have... He I thought he could have, Ken, and maybe probably, obviously, in hindsight, he should have done even more. Let his hands go maybe a little, maybe let maybe let his hands go even a little bit more than he did. But again, he was fighting a deliberate fight. So was Cannonier. He was trying to stick to his fight plan and not obviously be reckless. Uh, I thought for the most part, Strickland was doing that. Um, neither one did a lot. But for Cannonier, his best opportunities, and I tweeted this, were when he got Strickland to back out and then he stepped with him to catch him with a power shot, like a right hand. That was when he did his best work. And that's where he had opportunities when he did that. But again, he wasn't a house on fire and neither was Strickland. You know, he was... He was taking his time. He was, you know, he was uh, deliberately, you know, stalking. 
you know, maybe almost, I don't say methodically, but, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't wasting anything. Uh, he was looking to place the most significant punch, and he did. He probably landed the harder punches, but I thought Strickland landed more punches and clean punches, not as effective, but clean punches and more of them than Cannonier did. Um, like I said, it was a very controlled, cerebral approach by Strickland, controlling the pace of the fight. I thought for most of it, I thought that yes, he did control the pace of the fight. Cannonier may have stolen um, the, I think it was the fourth round where, let me just see my notes here, but I believe it was the fourth round. Um, yeah, the fourth round. I just wanted to make sure I make my notes to make sure that I'm, my memory didn't lapse being that we're covering you know, quite a few fights. Uh, it was a very good last stanza. The last round, Ken, yeah. um, I thought Strickland was more cons I thought Strickland was more consistent and busier and that he won it and he won the fight. Uh, as I said earlier. Um and again the fourth round I did think that Cannonier stole it. And I'll finish up by saying as I just said, but I'll rehash it. Yes, he landed the hardest shots but not enough in my estimation. Uh, but obviously the judges went with the pressure and the power, uh, you know, uh, in a for Cannonier. But it was, it does make you scratch your head when you got a split decision where you got the two opposite cards, you know, where one judge is completely for Cannonier, four to one, and another judge is completely for Strickland, four to one. So, Obviously, I guess it um, it speaks it speaks to where I have plenty of uh, room for my you know my obviously my opinion that it should have went the other way because one of the judges sure as hell thought so. But in the end, horrible decision, not at all, not at all. I just thought that Strickland probably, if I was judging, would have gotten a nod. Yeah, interesting there. Strickland threw 410 strikes to 310 by um, Cannonier. So either way, lots of action at that weight class. That's a lot of punches being thrown and landed. Um, Teddy, before we uh, before we sign off, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at Olipop. Get it popping with Olipop. Go to drinkolipop.com and use the promo code Atlas for 25% off your purchase. Easily the healthiest soda in the world. Only two grams of sugar for, for a can of this ginger lemon flavor. It's got botanicals. It's got all kinds of plant fiber. Great for gut health. Give them a shot over the holidays. I love to share this stuff with my children. Drinkolipop.com. Use the promo code Atlas for 25% off. And hey, Teddy, a lot of people will be happy to know with a week to go before Christmas, if you hustle, you can get your uh, T-shirts from teddyatlas.com. We've got the shirt we have on here, and there's a special edition in there designed by the great uh, graffiti artist Eric Hayes, married to the queen of boxing, Rosie Perez. Go to teddyatlas.com. There's two versions of the t-shirt. There's the ones that Teddy Atlas and I have on right now, which is the 36-minute jobby. If you look on the back here, 36 minutes to make life fair, have a look. 
There you go for the fans who are not listening. Good. Do it again, Ken. Do it again. Not good. Not good. Not good, Ken. No, no. Straighten up. Say, don't slouch. That's better. Don't slouch. Never slouch. There you go, Kenneth. <laughs> for the fans listening and can't see that, it says 36 minutes to make life fair. It's got a boxer on the back. It's beautiful. Every time I wear this, I get a ton of compliments. So we've got that one. Yeah, and we've yeah, got yeah. My man, Sam, who films all episodes, look what he's drinking there. Look what Ollie he's drinking, Pops. Kenneth. It's getting healthier and by guess the minute. What? Guess what? It's empty. It's empty. <laughs> Between Athletic Greens and Olipop, you're going to get all the healthy ingredients that you need. And now you can look like a champion, too, with your Teddy Atlas jersey. Get your fight with Teddy Atlas t-shirt in time for Christmas. You got a week. Get on there and uh, choose the expedited shipping option and look like a champion for the holidays. And drink Olipop and uh, Athletic Greens and feel like a champion. No, well said. Well said. And I want to I wanna thank Ian and Rob for putting that website together. Those guys work very hard to do it. Um, Ian's a genius. Rob Ian Mackey, is, um, the legend. He's a genius, and Rob is Mensa class, whatever they call that. <laughs> Mensa. Um, you know, <laughs> Mensa, Mensa, Mensa. You know, I, I go to Mensa. He goes to Mensa. And, you know, Mensa's better. Um, Rob's got and, his own lieutenants. He's got uh, Ian Mackey as Rob's lieutenant. They're like their own little mafia family. They put together a tremendous website. I'm very appreciative to them. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And I'm sure the fans will appreciate it very much. And now, you know what time it is, right? In the, in the, words, in the words of the great late, the late great, who was a friend of mine too, and I miss him, Mills Lane, one of the greatest refs of all time. It's getting time to say, Let's get it on, because Stephen A. Smith is coming up next. That's right. And, Teddy, we'd be remiss if we didn't send out our uh, condolences and rest in peace to uh, Steve Smoger, the great referee, passed away. Yes. Passed yeah. away, I believe, yesterday due to, after a long battle with an illness. Um, yeah, Steve Smoger was a special guy. He was a friend of mine. I knew him for years. I did things on ESPN with him. He, he Oh, my God, he refereed so many of the fights that I called on ESPN over the years. And he did a fight plan with me. Fight plans were very popular back in the day. He they still are, the, Teddy. Oh, he did one in one of the casinos with me years ago, with me and my brother Saul, my man Saul Avalar. And um, he he was a district attorney, just like Mills Lane was. Mills Lane was a judge and a DA and a Marine. Uh, uh, Smoger was more than a good ref. He was a good, solid man. He loved boxing. Uh, boxing was truly his, you know, his passion. And he'll be missed. Yeah, R.I.P. to um, Steve Smoger. And with that, Teddy, let's take a quick break. Then we're going to talk with Stephen A. Smith. Guys, tune in. That that video, that interview is going to be up a week from um, today on Tuesday. Uh, I believe the 27th, if I'm not mistaken. But <laughs> Teddy's getting ready. I got my referee jersey ready to go in case you guys get out of line. Uh, and with that, guys, thanks for being with us. Please support our sponsors. And we look forward to seeing you next week when we're on with uh, Stephen A. Smith. Everyone have a great week, guys.